Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Uh, Chris Maxwell here with Tracy Reynolds. And hey, thanks for joining us. And Tracy, um, it's always good to be able to have these conversations with you and, and our dear friends that join us. Amen to that. And we are so excited today to have a dear friend, Russell Board. Uh, he's married to his wife, Sandra, for several decades. Uh, Russell currently, and for the last 35 years, has been with the International Pentecostal Holiness Church World's Missions Department. He is the Regional Director of World Missions for Continental Asia, overseeing IPHC work in over 11 countries. That's a lot of responsibility. Well, welcome, Russell. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Chris and Tracy. It's, uh, I thank you for the opportunity of sharing this time together. Well, we're honored and, and we're excited and just appreciate you. Russell, it's been, it's been an honor getting to know you. Um, you know, I knew about you and we were connected through through our writing and through uh, mutual friendships. But over the past few years, we've as it's been great uh, communicating with you regularly, even from a distance Exactly in, in, in our high-tech world of, of being able to uh, stay in touch. And, and Tracy and I feel like, uh, you know, just your heart, uh, who you are, uh, not just what you do, but who you are is a good example for us to continue learning um, about uh, just just passing uh, the torch on to others and, and making sure that we understand not just the, the steps we have taken in the past, this is who we have been, but, but how we can look forward to a, a bright future. Uh, so yeah, just talk to us a little bit more about you and who you are and tell us some of your story. Okay. Uh, well, once again, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to, to have this conversation. Um, I haven't had uh, many chances of meeting you guys in person, but we've been able to uh, maintain our friendship and develop it even even more deeply across the miles thanks to the Lord's help and the technology that we have. And even today, I'm not in the studio, but uh, it's great that we can talk. So uh, about my story, it's hard to know where to begin. It's a long story because of my age, but... Uh, <laughs> I will start with uh, the first great transition in my life. I kind of, I grew up, um, I guess you'd call it as a nominal Christian. Uh, my family and I attended the Presbyterian Church in our small town in Virginia, and uh, I believed in God, but to me, He was distant. Uh, I believed He was Creator, but He didn't really have much to do with my life, so I just kind of lived that way with that uh, nominal belief in God. And the first thing that happened to change that was when uh, I was a senior in high school, and I met this girl. Uh, mm-hmm. And that can change your life uh, in unpredictable <laughs> ways. Amen. <laughs> uh, and th- this girl, um, to whom I'm now married, I'll just skip ahead to that part. Um, and when I started dating her, her father said, well, if you're going to date my daughter, you need to go to church with us. So, okay, that's fine. I got no problem going to church. But their church was uh, a Pentecostal holiness church. <laughs> And this Presbyterian boy didn't know what he was getting into. (laughs) When I started going to that church, of course, there were things I'd never seen before. Um, 
but really what struck me wasn't the different styles of worship or uh, maybe the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. What struck me was, was two things. Number one, these people in this church, they have a relationship with God that I don't have. They know God in a way I don't know him. And number two, these people love me. They don't even know me. They don't know who I am. They don't know anything about me. But I could feel the love of God through them. And so those two things really drew me uh, to know Christ. I remember the night that I came to the Lord was in August of uh, 1971. I just graduated from high school. Uh, It was an evening, Sunday evening service, and I don't remember what that service was about. But I felt this drawing, and I I felt God speaking to me uh, and saying, basically, do you want what these people have? Do you want to have that Mm -hmm. same kind of relationship? And my first prayer, my first real prayer, honest-to-God prayer, was simply, yes, I do. And what God did in my heart that night has stuck with me for... uh, a long, long time, basically right, going right on 50 years now. So um, uh, when you come to know the Lord, um, it makes a difference. I love what you said about two things that I think characterize what Jesus said but happened after he left. He said, you know, the people that don't know Christ, that are far from Christ, will know about Christ by the love that we share one with another and how that was so attractive to you. What, what a beautiful picture of that. And the reality of uh, the relationship that you saw, that there was an authentic, genuine article. Uh, yeah. That is a beautiful and powerful story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to downplay uh, the content of the preaching. You know, when, you, when we go to right. church, it's, it makes a difference what the preacher says, but sometimes it's the atmosphere. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses... The, the relationships and the love like you just explained there that's even more powerful. So you gave your life to Christ as a late teenager. What happened next? I mean, you have been involved in global missions for over 35 years. How in the world did that happen? Well, again, that's a long story, but I'm going to condense it. Let's just skip ahead to uh, we got married. Um, I studied uh, philosophy and religion in at Radford uh, college at that time, now Radford University, went to graduate school at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and um, was embarked on a Ph.D. program of studying philosophy with the intent of becoming a professor. So this was, since uh, we were saved, I, I never considered myself a preacher. Uh, we, we were active in our local church all these years. I served on the deacon board, I taught Sunday school, I did all those things in the church that uh, a layperson would do without ever having in my mind the idea of becoming a preacher and certainly not a missionary. But when it came to the end of my uh, graduate degree program, after five years there, uh, we felt God speaking to us again, this time my wife and I together. And uh, the the first thing that God was saying was, this isn't the direction I have for you. Hmm. Now, that's a scary thing. I've invested all this time, and uh, I never felt God calling me in that direction, but that just seemed the path that was of least resistance or most aptitude for me. Hmm. And so I came to the point at the end of my graduate studies, or near the end, where God was saying, this isn't it. And so at that point, it was a time of seeking. What is it, God? What's next? What do you want for us? 
And that's when God began to speak to us about missions. And this came out of the blue to me. For my wife, not so much, because when she was a little girl, she told her parents, one day, I'm going to be a missionary to Japan. Wow. And um, she didn't really talk to me about that very much, because I think <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to scare me away for one thing. <laughs> but uh, another thing was, it kind of faded into the background for her. It was just something that, that she thought as a little girl, and she, she didn't um, pursue it or anything. So anyway, this time in our lives, we were seeking God, and we were saying, what's next? And so everywhere we turned, like every time we, we went to a service, somebody would be talking about missions. Every time we'd pick up a magazine, it'd be talking about missions. Every time we turn on the radio, it'd be somebody talking about missions. And this was a shock to me, because here I am, uh, basically almost 30 years old. I've never been outside of America I've never been on an airplane. I never imagined I would ever leave the country. I would have probably been voted in my family least likely <laughs> to leave your hometown. So that, that, that was me at that point wow. in my life. But um, God is very patient, and um, I had all these objections, all these questions for him, and he basically just answered every objection, every question through one means or another. And the, the main catalyst I, I want to mention, you guys will know who Keith Green is. Maybe not yes. all of your listeners will, but um, if they don't, they need to. He was one of the early pioneers in contemporary Christian music. And um, a tremendous musician, a, just a passionate, passionate man. And he wrote an article, I think the last article he wrote before he died in a plane crash, and was titled, Why You Should Go to the Mission Field. Yeah. And in that article, it just kind of laid it out for me, the, the, a global picture that I'd never seen before of how blessed we are in America to have so many opportunities to hear about Christ, where all these countries around the world, um, in some countries, they may live their whole lives without ever, ever hearing the name of Jesus. And so just this, this tremendous need began to burden me. And uh, again, I wasn't convinced that this was for me because I'd never imagined myself in that role. But I knew one thing. I knew I had to be willing. And so in prayer with my wife and talking together, there was a, a moment at, uh, again, it was a Sunday night service. This was a conference service in the Cornerstone Conference. And we uh, went and we just prayed, God, we're willing we're willing. We're going to lay ourselves out for you. We're saying yes. You just tell us. Make just give us that conviction. Speak to us somehow tonight. We don't care how, but make make it clear that this is what you want for us. And so that's the attitude that we went into that meeting with. And again, I don't even remember what the message of the sermon was, but at the end of it, uh, we looked at each other and we said, "Yeah, this is what God is calling us to do." So. Again, my first prayer was saying yes to God. I, I want to follow you in this prayer. Yes, Lord, we'll go wherever you send us. Wow, I love the parts of that where you didn't know the next steps, but God uh, would give you the instructions you needed as you needed. It's almost like if he told you all that at the beginning, you might have said, well, I don't know about all that. And something else you've said a couple times that I think is just so precious, and that is that I never saw myself in that role. 
Mm. I think that that's maybe a prerequisite, Chris, about sometimes the humility of that we're not we're not being presumptuous, but we're saying, Father, I'm willing. Uh, but it's funny how God doesn't give us the broad uh, view sometimes. It's sometimes it's a progressive revelation or I'll walk through an open door or I'll bump into a closed door uh, and then how God makes it plain over time. Yeah, that's right. You've summarized it very well. And that's certainly, it's proven to be that way for us throughout our, our lives and missions. It's just taking one step at a time, getting clarity on that next step mm-hmm. and being willing to go wherever God sends. And I can see that again in the next uh, major change in our lives. Uh, we just put ourselves at the disposal of World Missions Council. And my first airplane flight ever was flying from North Carolina to Oklahoma City. I can, <laughs> I can still remember looking out the window and the plane taking off and thinking, this isn't natural. I mean, we're not supposed to be up here like this. But... Uh, but we went there, we interviewed with the World Missions Council, and uh, we just said, where do you want us to go? And they thought the best place for us at that time would be Europe. So we spent our first term in, in Paris and Rome, and that sounds really uh, exotic. And you know, uh, But the, the nitty-gritty reality of it was very different. That first, Our first year on the mission field in Paris, France, is the hardest year of our lives. And uh, if it weren't for the, I won't go into all the details of that, but most missionaries will probably agree with me. Uh, just that whole culture shock thing and learning a new language and getting to know these people and, and not having a welcome from the people who are there. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff it, uh, just really hit us hard. But God was faithful and he brought us through it. And uh, our next, uh, our next uh, assignment turned out to be in Japan where there weren't wow. any Pentecostal holiness missionaries. We were the first ones to go there. That was in 1989. And uh, we went there not knowing but a, a few words of the language, uh, but confident that this is where God was leading us. And uh, he's been very faithful. Um, the next really change in my role was from serving as a missionary in, J- in Japan to stepping into another leadership role. And that's for the position of a regional director, where it's not just dealing with your, uh, with the one country, but with several countries. And again, that was the same thing. When uh, the p- person in my position who preceded me, when he left, they called me from Oklahoma City and said, we'd like for you to consider taking this, this next job. And my answer was, nope, not me. I've seen what this guy does. I've seen how he travels all like that. That's not my. That's not what I want to do. That's not. I'm. I'm not that kind of a leader. And they. And the director said, "No, don't answer now. I want you to pray about it." Mm-hmm. Well, I prayed about it, and again, God had plans that I didn't have. So, but again, I had to say yes. But when, when uh, I'll tell you what, what made the difference for me was God spoke to me and said, "I'm not doing this for you." I'm not doing this for you at all. I'm doing this for the other missionaries. Do you want to help them? Do you want to help them be what what I've called them to be? And when God put it that way, what could I say but yes? Boy, that's that gives a better perspective because we so often think in the singular, and that, and uh, that that perspective gives us a much better view. Uh, Russell, we have so many things we want to talk to you about, and and we'll talk to you in the next podcast about your books. You're a great writer. I mean, that's 
one of the first ways that I connected with you is through um, friends in the writing world and just encouraging one another through the writing. But but I believe uh, before we end this podcast, I want, uh, Tracy and I want to want you just to speak to uh, us and also our audience because there are so many people living in this place of what does God want me to do? Right. What, what are my next steps to be? Uh, so just 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 speak to us about that. Encourage us to be willing to take those risky steps and trust God. I mean, think, thinking back to what you said about Keith Green, I mean, his whole theme was like no compromise. It was yeah. like, uh, you must go unless God calls you to stay. It's exactly. like the reverse <laughs> approach that we normally take. But, but so many uh, of the friends that Tracy and I have, they're living in this world of what next, what now. Mm. So just mm. just talk to us a little bit before we end this in this segment about that. Yeah, I think for me, um, and I think for a lot of us, we're so uh, inward focused, we're so focused on ourselves and, and our immediate surroundings that our vision isn't big enough to see what God may be calling us to do. So one thing I would recommend that anybody do is to expand your vision, is to learn as much as you can about what God is doing in the world today. And don't just limit yourself to your neighborhood. Don't just limit yourself to what you can see yourself doing. But open your eyes and be willing to to look and see what God is doing. Ask Him to show you, and He will. Ask Him to bring you in touch with people who uh, have a different perspective than you do, people outside your normal contact sphere, uh, but people who are, are, are in, from different places doing different things, and just open yourself up. Because when you do that, that you give God an opportunity to give you direction and leads you, leads you in ways that you never imagined in your own um, small sphere uh, of thinking and, uh, and imagination. Mm, that's good. And also, I'll just add, um, God is a global God. Uh, we get caught up in what our local church is doing, and we should be very involved in it. But that's not the only thing God is doing. Mm-hmm. So open your eyes to the nations. Um, it's not all about America. It's not about our lo- all about our local church. We need to be involved there. But it's bigger than that. And uh, we don't really know God, know what God is doing unless we, we have a global vision. Mm, and your words... Help us have that vision, and Tracy and I really appreciate that. I keep thinking back to those um, those two things that you started with: the relationship with God, and those people loved me. Mm. That, that, that was the example of the people in that church that you visited. And I want us all to live that way, and I see yeah. you doing that through your mission work and through your writing. In the next podcast, we'll talk more about your yeah. books: Forty Days with Jesus, Forty Days with Paul, and. And through your words and through our conversations and through the example you're setting, uh, you are the servant leader uh, that's teaching so many of us to learn how to find ways to let our next steps be our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. 
Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Their debut single is coming October 29th. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans to learn more and pre-save their new song, Somebody Famous. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday. So join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.